this week on the Divided Opinion podcast. He sees the game either from the right or left side of him, and that's the way he plays. Um, I don't know what you thought of him up front. I thought he was pretty useless. It will certainly be a bit of a rude awakening for him to think this is the level that you have got to play at to beat these sort of teams. The media seem to be creating this narrative at the moment that the Messi, Neymar and Mbappe, that they don't get on, that there's trouble in paradise, that they're arguing, there's clashes of egos. Maybe the nervousness that was given off by teammates sort of set into him a bit as well. But you should be able to do that. It might not be your first choice, but it does seem with Solskjaer there is plan A and then there's not much else. He is a player that just plays off service. He's not going to come and get the ball and take on the whole team and win the game by himself. Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Divided Opinion Podcast. How are we doing today, Westy? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Yeah, all good. We've uh, had another week of Champions League fixtures. I think that's kind of going to take the the most of the podcast today. Um, we're going to get into a few other topics, um, Raheem Sterling, uh, anything that you want to talk about, West, and yeah, just a few other, other things that have gone on this week. Should we start with PSG versus Manchester City? Yeah. So PSG winning 2-0. Um, goals from Idrissa Gay and that man Lionel Messi, pretty special. I think that was his first goal, wasn't it, for PSG? Yeah, what a way to do it. Yeah, what a way to do it. Um, what What were your main main takeaways from that game? I thought on the whole, City actually played pretty well. Um, didn't think they got anything massively wrong. I was actually on the whole, I was actually more impressed with City than I was PSG. Um, I did really. Yeah. I don't think PS, other than the goals and on the overall on the overall play of it, I thought Man City controlled most a lot of the game. Um, just yeah. just didn't have any cutting edge, which was their problem. But um, obviously PSG in the end deserved to win. They kept a clean sheet, got the two goals. But um, yeah, I won't I won't say it was anything that would be alarming to Pep or City. It, it was just more of a one of them games, wasn't it? You've come up against a team that are got amazing players especially in the front line and um, yeah I don't, yeah, it was just one of them ones for City where you just move on from it isn't it really I was more impressed with the way that Poch kind of prepared for an opposition which I think is a huge part of the Champions League it's about styles win the Champions League and if you, you've got an adapt to a, day, a, a certain date a certain game and a certain opposition it's not like a league where it's a consistency thing. It's doing it over a long period of games. I think with 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 Champions Leagues, it is how you can adapt to certain teams. I think Poch did do that. Um, I think it was like you just mentioned, City. No, with no striker, it's just I don't know what you thought about Raheem Sterling up front. I mean, I've spoke about it before, where I personally don't think Raheem Sterling is a three sixty style player. 
So to play in the positions like attacking midfield or in a striker position, you need to have a 360 degree access and being able to see the game around you. Whereas I think a player like Raheem Sterling, and it's not, it isn't a, um, it isn't a, a bad thing or it isn't, it's not something that Sterling needs. He's a winger. Um, and I think he is a 180 degree player where he sees the game either from the right or left side of him. And that's the way he plays. Um, I don't know what you thought of him up front. I thought he was pretty useless. And really, with with him being up front, it it kind of just... Jack Grealish and Maritz, had, they had nothing to aim at. Uh, Jack Grealish got absolutely back-pocketed by uh, Hakimi. I was really impressed with Hakimi. I think it was a real rude awakening for Jack Grealish. Yeah. Yeah, it would be a bit... It was a... Was it second Champions League game? So it's um mm. yeah, it was a bit of a sort of a, a showing for him of what, what to expect in that sort of level, isn't it? It's, it's something he's not been accustomed to playing at on a regular basis and yeah, he's no. obviously he's he's got the quality to to be in that bracket and play in the Champions League, hence why why he moved for a hundred million pounds. But it will certainly be a bit of a rude awakening for him to think this is the level that you have got to play at to beat these sort of teams. He was thrown out there almost blind as well. You just saw him, he'd get the ball and he'd get his head up. And to be honest, a lot of the time with Grealish, and I think you see it with players when they move to a bigger club, they start to feel like they can't play with as much freedom as they did previously. And I don't know if that's a, an instruction thing. I don't know whether Pep's told him that he needs to be more conservative and not give the ball away and recycle the ball. But when he got the ball, he seemed, he seemed like he, he, I don't know, he was just holding back almost. And he was doing that thing he does where he kind of stands up a defender and you're waiting for him to do something. But every time he'd just come back. And obviously that was because he had a lack of option in the middle. Um, do you think that, do you think with Grealish, oh, I think he has done well at City so far. How would you assess his time so far at City? I think with the pressure on him, I think I think he's done unbelievably well, really, and I know it's that's not even. I wouldn't say he's done unbelievably well on the pitch, but when you consider the context of it and a move like that, if you have a bad game or so, or one or two bad games, instantly people get on top of you. But I think he has. I think he's been at the level, and well, yeah, I just want interested to know how you assess his time so far. Yeah, I actually agree. Yeah, um, he's not done anything sort of. He's not put really a foot wrong, has he? I suppose that's one thing you could say. Rather than doing loads of stuff really sort of out of this out of the world, but Jack Grealish has never really if you look at his stats and stuff, even through his time at Villa and through England, he's not always going to be a player that puts up loads of goals and assists, is he? He's a player that influences no. the game in, in the deeper roles where he drops in and builds play for other players to get involved and um, create goals and yeah, he's had a good start to life there and start as he means to go on I think it's just such a shame for City and I'm not well I'm not saying it's it's definitely not a case of feeling bad for City we do we definitely don't need to feel bad for City and I do think with the case with their squad and we saw it they played unbelievably against Chelsea at the weekend it's not a case of you can't look at their squad and think like they may not have that striker they needed but Pepper's still got all the talk like he's got enough to do the job and we saw that against Chelsea I was just interested with Pep. We often we praise him for his rotation and be it his. We see other other managers are very reliant on certain players, and 
they they don't like to swap out their best players and they don't like to take the risk. But with Pep, we see it countless times. He does not mind rotating his team. You saw at the weekend it was I think it was Foden, uh, Foden, Jesus, and Grealish starting, and then in the Champions League this week you had um, you had Mares. Um, uh, Mara, obviously, yeah, Mara, Sterling, and Grealish. So Mara's and Sterling had come in. Like I think we praise him for this rotation, but for me it was just unnecessary. You've got a big game like that. I think you've you've just beat Chelsea. I I, I think I don't know. I I also believe as well that he's obviously got two options with the strikers, where he can either play a false nine or he can play Sterling, who will play in behind. I think the false nine is what he should be siding with. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think when he reverts to that false nine, um, I think a couple of seasons ago, um, remember when they played Real Madrid in the quarterfinals and um, at the Bernabeu, De Bruyne played as the false nine. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that... He has certainly got the presence to do that. I think De Bruyne, De Bruyne probably fits into that mould better than Sterling because he can do... He is that false nine player where he can drop in, get the ball, create chances for people. But he has got, he has got a fair bit of pace and and power and he can run in behind Carney and uh, stretch defences so um, on your point on um, the rotation thing I was a little bit surprised seeing as how well Jesus did at the weekend against Chelsea got the goal obviously it was... and this season he's looked pretty decent as well I think Jesus yeah and that was a really really good really really well taken goal um, at the weekend you would have just thought maybe he'd stick with that sort of same approach because going to Chelsea and going to Paris it's they're, they 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 play similar types of football, don't they? And it's a similar proposition. Yeah. So you would have thought maybe, but then again, they have got Liverpool at the weekend. Maybe he was thinking ahead to that. But in the Champions League game in PSG, can you really think that far ahead? And you'd think Gabriel Jesus. I mean, he would have been busting to play that game. Like he's a young player, and he's never struck me as a player that would struggle. He could play three games a week, and it's just about starting him as well. You don't have to. He doesn't have to finish the game. Yeah. But I agree. And to be fair, we actually did, did get a question from one of the listeners that wanted to talk about Raheem Sterling in particular. Um, wh- where do we go now with Raheem Sterling? Because obviously he's had that, that Euros. I mean, I don't know about you, but that was for me the best I've seen Raheem Sterling play. And I think by and large, it was down to his partnership with Harry Kane. And he, he, well, he, he, I wouldn't say he carried England to the final, but he was a huge part. He played a huge part in that. Obviously, there was talk last season around whether whether he'd be maybe falling out of favour with Grealish coming in and whether there'd be moves away. There were I've seen some rumours surface recently about possible links to Barcelona. I think that would be a loan move. Um, but personally, I don't think it would happen. I think just if the way Barcelona are at the minute. And I think... Pep isn't exactly... I don't think he's in a position to be selling his players yet. One in, one out, I think, seems to be the policy at City. But where do we go now with Sterling? Do you think he's better seeking pastures new or is he? should he stay? Do you think if Kane had come in, we'd be seeing the Sterling that we saw at the Euros? Where do we go now? Where does Sterling go? How can he get his club career back on track and back on level with, with his international career? Yeah, it's a good point. Um... Well, yeah, the back end of last season, that was sort of a, it was one where you weren't sure whether Pep was sort of keeping him out of the side in sort of anticipation of sort of big games. Because remember, he started in the Champions League final. Um, Euros, he was brilliant. 
and but what I think a similar theme we've saw from the Euros is the, all these players who played in the Euros for England have had slow starts to the season. So you've got like Shaw, yeah. Maguire, Maguire's not had a brilliant start. Mason Mount's looked off it a little bit. Harry Kane, so and they're all picking up injuries as well. So yeah, maybe they're just having a bit of a hangover from the Euros. So and I think with Sterling, it's sort of he's a player that's massively underappreciated. I think even by his own fans at City, he sort of gets a lot of stick, but he consistently always sort of comes up, even when he's having bad moments. He's always there or thereabouts, getting them goals on the end of them crosses and. Getting a little, yeah. get, he works tirelessly as well. Yeah, I think he's yeah he really is a player that sort of just doesn't get the recognition he deserves. I think in the Euros, um, it was one where remember at the start when the first team sheet came out against Croatia and everyone was up in arms that he was starting. Like why is he starting? But I think he just needs time just to once he gets a couple of goals this season. I think we might see him get back to his best. Yeah, no, absolutely. In terms of if he was going to move away, where would you think? Could maybe a possible return to Liverpool be on the cards? Um, where, where's I, the kind I, of? I think that ship's probably sailed with Liverpool. To be honest, um, yeah, that's the thing. You couldn't. Could you really see him going anywhere else in England? Probably not. You wouldn't think Pep would want to sell a player like Sterling to a rival um, abroad. Obviously, you say Barcelona, but even for Sterling, Barcelona really in the prime of his career going to be that much of a Proposite, like, I think just sticking with what you just said there as well, you, what you just mentioned, he is in the prime of his career. With Sterling, I remember, I mean, just after the Euros, I saw, saw his age, was tw- just 26. Yeah, seems like I mean, that is remarkable. Feels like he's been around for years, sp- doesn't it? And people don't discuss how impressive that is. And you go back a couple of seasons, the guy was scoring 20 odd goals, getting loads of assists as well. And that would have been at the age of about 23, 24. Sterling is a player that is, I think, is just criminally underrated. And we were speaking about it last week with Lukaku and how players get written off. Sterling's a classic example of this. And he has one bad game or what have you. And he maybe has adapted the way he plays and become more of a productive player and a player focused on his output and got with goals, etc. And that's probably taken away from the spectacle that is Raheem Sterling and back in back in the day that we came to know him by these this mercurial dribbling and and more involved in the game. But I think he has adapted himself and that has in turn maybe not as easy on the eye, but he did what he needed to do. I don't think if you want to play for a Pep Guardiola team or a team of that scale, you have to offer something to the team. And it has to be a tangible it has to be either goals or assists or a real thing that you're offering, a role that you're playing. The Sterling of old that would run at players and maybe get fans off seats but possibly doesn't get as many goals and assists, I don't think would have lasted at City. Um, but yeah, in my opinion with Sterling, I, I, again, I feel like nowadays there's a lack of options really for players. If you look at, obviously you've got the Premier League and like you said, City aren't going to be keen to be selling him to a rival. If you're not selling him to a rival in the Premier League, I mean, it's out of the question that he'd go to a, a team below the top six. And then also, if you look abroad, I mean, Spain, Barcelona are, I think, what could be a potential um, team for him, but he's going to have to take a wage cut or they're going to have to seriously get their finances in order. And even if they do get that deal over the line maybe in January or in the summer, 
it's looking like it's going to be a loan anyway. So it's not a permanent fix for Sterling. It's not a permanent plan. I mean, where else could he go? I mean, PSG wouldn't go in for him now with the players that they've got. Maybe they would. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things as well. Obviously, us being England fans, we kind of, it's quite hard to see. I'll, I'll be interested to know what the perception of a player like Sterling is from abroad. So whether they look at him, say the people from France, Italy, Germany, where they hold Raheem Sterling, and whether they consider him this... Cause it's hard, really. To be honest, I, I really find it hard to kind of put him in a box and I don't really know who you compare Raheem Sterling with. Who's a player that's on his level now? What what criteria does he fit into? I mean, we were doing tier lists last week. Where does Raheem... Like, what is Raheem Sterling now? Is he a world-class player? Um, Would you say Raheem Sterling's a world-class player? I'd say he's a world-class player in in indifferent form. Not found himself yeah. yet in the last 12 months, but uh, bar the Euros. But, um, yeah. Well, what do you think's his best position? I think off the left wing, surely. Yeah. That's where he's got... Yeah, no, I'd agree. That's where he's played his best football for Liverpool, City, England. So, But it's just with the, um, with the luxury of options that... Guardiola's got now it's going to be tough for him to nail down that spot week in week out no you're true you're right and it yeah we're bringing Grealish in he, he doesn't seem to get dropped we say about rotation Grealish doesn't get rotated does it no. he plays week in week out um but yeah I think I think we covered that pretty well there uh, is there any, any more you'd like to cover on that um anything more that we need to talk about with PSG Man City I think I think we'd be rude not to mention Idrissa Gay. Yeah, and also the, from him. the return of Marco Verratti as well. What Very a performance. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. And considering he was only sort of passed about 60% fit before the game, been injured all season, it was his first appearance and absolutely bossed the game, didn't he? Yeah, and I think that was so important for PSG because I was saying before, and I, when I was looking at their team, I thought the middle of the park was going to be their issue and was going to be the weakness, but... Verratti, it was it was Verratti, Herrera, and Idris Gay in a midfield three, wasn't it? Yeah, and they they were resolute. I mean, yeah. I mean, I always say to you, and I know you're you're not too hung up on it, but I still think Ander Herrera's a. I don't, still don't understand why United got rid of Ander Herrera. Maybe it wasn't really in their power, but he just seems like such a great asset to any team, really. And he's still he starts for PSG, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. starts ahead of Wijnaldum. So yeah. You look at the problems that United have got in that midfield, maybe he could have been the answer. Yeah, I think the issue is with... I mean, we'll get on to United in a bit. Um, but yeah, Idrissa Gay, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you remember him too much in the Premier League. I mean, obviously I do remember him, but I don't remember a, an all-encompassing uh, midfield performance like that. Kind of no. had him down as a bit of a... Just a defensive mid, breaks up the play. But it, that was, like I said, all-encompassing. Encom- all he was everywhere. Scored the goal... Like. Yeah, well, yeah, it's one. He's one of them players. I think even before the last couple of weeks, two or three weeks, he he seemed to be at a crossroads at PSG. He wasn't really massively used last season. Um, he scored a good goal against Montpellier at the weekend, and he seemed to have took that into the game on Tuesday. And seems like a big player for PSG now. Yeah, I love to see players like that. That you know, just rise to the level. Yeah, you just you get these players that teams bring in and you possibly look at it and think oh he was playing at Everton he doesn't I can't remember him being that good but it does happen yeah. players some players just have the ability to rise to whatever levels put in front of them yeah. he, got, he got relegated with Aston Villa 
Yeah. I don't remember him at all at Aston Villa, to be honest. I don't think anyone wants to remember anything from that season. <laughs> Lionel Messi. I mean, this <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it, now? Yeah. I just can't... Like, I think we all thought the narrative of Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo was over. This back and forth, the rivalry and the debate around who's the best. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the d- debate is going to live forever, but the fact that they're still giving us... Con- like not content but they're still giving us talking points and mm, these clutch I think moments it's, it's just quite remarkable isn't it yeah it's incredible just yeah. Think that they just we're keep still going. talking about them yeah absolutely crazy yeah that, I mean that goal on I think I, I, I tweeted on Tuesday actually but you feel like you'd seen that goal from Messi didn't you a million times in his career on the edge of the box yeah. in, that, in that far corner when the ball got released back to him from Mbappe there was not one player in the world you'd feel more confident would with, with, in that position, would you? No. And I was really, it was such a, and I'm sure it was a, a delightful sight for PSG fans, but we really saw, I mean, Neymar, I think, was pretty average. I don't think it was Neymar's worst performance, but Mbappe and Messi, I think they could really, really strike up a good partnership, those two. And I think the, this, uh, we'll talk about it actually. Obviously, I believe, like I've pointed out and I've seen that I, the media seem to be creating this narrative at the moment that the Messi, Neymar and Mbappe, that they don't get on, that there's trouble in paradise, that they're arguing, there's clashes of egos. But for me, I think if it was ever it was going to come from anyone, maybe Neymar. Because Neymar has played with Messi, the... It's not going to be the, he's he's friends of the guy. He's not going to be starstruck by by Messi or the the opportunity to play with him. But I think for Mbappe, I think he could do wonders for him this season. I know there's talk about his long term future at PSG, but I think it, I know money wise they could end up losing out. But I think it's a huge plus for them keeping Mbappe around because he is going to have that feeling of he's he he can't be. He can't feel belittled by Messi. Do you know what I mean? I mean, he will, but it's not a problem. It's Lionel Messi. And you just see that he must just be delighted to play with Lionel Messi. And they're getting... Those two are really, I think, are going to strike up a, a partnership. I don't know what you think about the whole Messi, Neymar, Mbappe mm. um, saga. Do you think there could be trouble in paradise? I, I, I think it's all a bit of a, um, bit of a moral panic. Yeah. I think inevitably Poch has got a little bit of a job on his hands in for a whole season or two, keeping them all all egos intact. But as long as he does that, I think they'll be absolutely fine. Um, yeah, I, I did see something saying that Messi has been told to respect the number one of Kylian Mbappe in the French media, meaning that Messi has to sort of um, has been told he sort of knows his he should know his place in terms of respecting Kylian Mbappe as their number one uh, player in the forward line. That just can't be true, can it? I saw it in a lot of outlets, but whether that's true or not, it's just just noise, isn't it? But just trying to guess. I don't know how... Yeah, I don't know how self-aware Mbappe is, but if I was hearing that when and I'm Kylian Mbappe, I'd be turning around and saying, it's Lionel Messi. I mean, egos don't come into play when it's Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Because you shouldn't feel... Like I said, you shouldn't feel belittled by these players because they've done it. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue. 
Like, you cannot argue. Even Pele or Maradona or anyone that was in the team. I mean, I know that's a, a debate for the another day, the greatest of all time, but well, I, I do think we're at a point now, aren't we, where the everyone thinks that Messi and Ronaldo are on, on their own, aren't they? In terms yeah. of all time. They're out on their own. Yeah. So no one should feel like they're less or no. should take an ego hit for that. Just respect. Just enjoy both of them while we've still got them for the last couple of years or so. Yeah, you should just be honoured to play with them. Yeah. I think we saw, before we move on, I think we saw with Messi and, I mean, I hate to go back to my football career, um, but when I see with a player, and I was a bit more, bit of a playmaker back in the day, <laughs> back in the day. And honestly, when you're a playmaker, you kind of, obviously you come in and out of the game, but it's one of those ones that once you get a feel for the game and it, you just need that one little, a couple few, and I don't know where I'm going with this, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? When he saw with Messi, I mean, he goes missing for a bit, but then I start to start to see him getting brought into the game. You start to see a almost. little bit of yourself in him. But no, but I just kind of understand how it feels as like that kind of a role where, because it is football, you can compare. Honestly, if you listen to this today, you can, you can compare what you did on a Sunday league pitch. You can compare that to professional football. We're all playing the same sport at the end of the day. It's just relative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like if you go out for a run, it's going to be as hard to you as it is to Mo Farah because you're both going to push yourself to your limits. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Nail on the head. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but the, the point I'm making is that I just saw that Messi was getting brought into the game. And I don't know if you obviously do remember it. You know, the kind of. He seems to play in a way, you know, the the training exercise you do where you you're playing the ball around, but you follow your pass. Yeah. So you play it, follow your pass. Messi does that. I don't know if that's something he does naturally, but he plays it and follows the play. And that's how the goal came about. Exactly. So, cheers, mate. You've just backed up my point there. Exactly. And it, the way he plays, if you bring him into the game, that's what Poch needs to focus on. Just bring yeah. Messi into the game because you bring him in and then he just follows the ball. It's just proactiveness. Ball. That's what the best players are, Ronaldo and Messi. You saw it with Ronaldo's first goal against Newcastle where probably any other striker in the world would not have gambled on a keeper spilling an easy ball like that. No. Messi last night, most players would have played that pass into the striker, maybe gone on the yeah. outside or held their run. He follows it in, anticipating that that ball is going to drop back to him exactly where he wants him. That's what separates the best. Do you want to move? Should we go straight? Uh, uh, was there any what? other games that... Whoa, Sheriff. Yes, Sheriff versus Real Madrid. Wow. Yeah. Biggest shocking champions. Did you champions. see the game? Saw the goals. Yeah, I saw the goals. Biggest shocking Champions League history, I reckon. You reckon? Wasn't that it's this, their second game? Second, Yeah, the first ever time in the group stage. That's the, the, crazy. I think, I think they're fourth in the Moldovian first division. That's insane. I saw, and I don't know the exact numbers, but it was like their their record transfer fees about two hundred and sixty grand or something, yeah. and then Eden Hazard's there and four hundred and sixty grand a week or something like that. Just ridiculous. I mean, obviously we could we'll put them in the same category. I mean, Benfica beating Barca yesterday. I know that's not as much as of a shock. Um, La Liga, what is going on? I mean, I remember a point where I looked at uh, La Liga and it, like with envy. 
Yeah. They used to attract all the best players, and I never used to understand it when I was younger. I mean, Ronaldo going to Real Madrid took a lot of lot for for me to get my head around, but you kind of that was what we grew up thinking is just yeah. the La Liga comes along and just poaches all the good players. Yeah, Bale, but, Suarez, all of them. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say, is there? I mean, they're just both in absolute turmoil. Yeah, I mean Real Madrid. I mean, Real Madrid less so. Uh, yeah, I think that, that the other night was more of a little blip. For Ancelotti, I think Barcelona are absolutely in the mud. But, um, but in terms of Real Madrid, though, still like it's I know yeah, turmoil is probably a bit um a, a bit um of an exaggeration, but they are still like it doesn't fill you with much no, excitement not, if you're a Real Madrid fan. No, nah, it's not a team that you would come up against. I would say for any of the other big hitters in the Champions League and be relatively scared of really. No, I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen much of Madrid so far this season? Have you seen much of Hazard? Um, Hazard's been obviously he's been coming back from injury, pretty insignificant. Um, scored a couple of weeks ago, but Madrid on the whole have been pretty good, the top of the league. Yeah. And um, but, but it's just what's, what's it got to offer the league? I mean, I know Atletico won last season, but I don't know how they're doing this season. I mean, mm, yeah, very hit and miss. Yeah. Um. In terms of Benfica beating Barcelona, I mean Barcelona. Yeah, we we've said I've got I've had a rant about Ronald Koeman before. I think it's, I think it's a matter of, of when rather than if um, Koeman gets sacked. I think they're delaying the inevitable. Really. Then again, do I think someone's going going to come in and be in a quick be a quick fix? I don't know. I think possibly now. Do you bring? I mean. Actually, we'll talk about Benfica first, but we'll come back to Ronald Koeman because I do want to hear your thoughts on who they, who you think would be a good fit. But I was looking at Benfica yesterday, and they've actually got a really solid team. Yeah. If you look through their team, they've got Otamendi and um, Vertonghen. They've got yeah, Otamendi and Vertonghen at the back, and then they've got that Vigo in midfield. I like the look of the striker. Can you remember his name? He scored a couple yesterday. Um. um. I don't, I'm not sure because I know you're a bit of a scout, mate. So I thought you might have heard of him. Um, I've his name has lost me a little bit, but um, Nunes. Nunes. Yeah. Yeah. Nunes. Do you, do you know much about him? Um, I've heard bits. He's a he's a good young player, but obviously he's young, is he? Yeah, he is. Let me find out how dumb. I've got it. Here. Twenty-two years old. Yeah. So he's one of them sort of ones from Benfica that. They've all got high hopes for, I think, again. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you look, Rafa, I've heard great things about Rafa. Grimaldo, I've, I've heard great things about. I, I've really liked Julian Weigl. I've, I've always been a big fan of his. Is that uh, t- he was at Dortmund. Is Tarat still there? Yes, he came on yesterday. You've got They've got that Pizzi on the bench. I mean, that Jetson Fernandez. I think they could be, I mean, underdogs. There's very rarely underdog stories in the Champions League, but... I think if there's any team to look out for that might have a a good campaign, a solid campaign for their uh, standards, I think Benfica are a good team to look out for. I mean, the Portuguese league must be must be looking pretty strong at the moment. I don't know what the other other teams are like. Um, they've got João Mario as well in midfield, which is quite quite interesting. Also, as well, just going back to PSG, I tell you, you've got a really really strong team. Senegal, have you seen Senegal's squad? Um, Mendy. So, so they've got Edouard Mendy in goal. They've got Koulibaly at centre-back. They've got Idrissa Gay. They've got Sadio Mane. They've got Saar on, on the right wing. And then they've also got they've got a lot of players that 
if you go through their squad, a lot of their players are top division, top division players. The striker that came on for Villarreal yesterday was from Senegal. Have they not got Interesting. the? Um, is it that? I'm sure I'm missing someone. Uh, is it that Abdalama Sima, the, the Slavia Prague? Is, is he? Yeah, I'm sure he plays for Senegal. Because yeah, he's a really promising player, but they've kind of come out of nowhere. I didn't. I've got to be honest. I mean, African football. It's not really. It's not really given much of a, a platform over here. Yeah, so they've got they've got Diallo, you know, the PSG centre back. Mm. They've got yeah, they've got Sima, Ismail Assar, just gay, really, really solid team. Yeah. Um. Just yeah, just a bit of an interesting. I think Senegal might be my like second team now. You know, I've been holding you back, but I'll let you let you go now. Manchester United, Villarreal. I mean, I, I don't want to... I know you're forever the optimist, but are you willing to talk about some negatives today? Or is it, are you just delighted with the win and that that's that? I'm just, I'll am just. I'll talk about my thoughts on the game, really. Uh, the, yeah, I, just, I what did you in, take away? The main thing being that we could have been 5-0 down at half-time if it wasn't for David De Gea's resurgence this season. Um, yeah. New look back for... Didn't look confident at all. Diogo Dallo had a torrid time against Dan Juma, who looks a really good player, by the way. Uh, £21 million from Bournemouth. So he's made that step up from the English second tier and now he's doing it in Champions League nights. So fair play to him. Um, got bypassed. They really lacked... Yeah. They lacked someone in front of goal, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I mean, Gerald Moreno, their top scorer, he's, he was out, which was a big miss for them. I can't help but think a couple of them goals would have gone in had he been in the side. Um, obviously, United had injuries and suspensions in defence and it showed because it was a bit of a calamitous performance in the first half, especially. Um, I thought, and I know I'm not going to start, don't don't think for one minute that I'm starting like a, a Varane um, slander or anything. I think he's looked great at United so far and I hope he does well. But I thought he, he kind of got pulled out. I don't know what he was doing for the goal, really, Varane. Did you see him? He like pushed up, didn't he? For their goal, he he was dragged right out of position, and then it was Lindelof left on his own. Yeah, and he got away with a moment in the first half where he sort of, and whether you saw it, where he came across to deal with a ball and it ran in behind him after he missed a clearance. Yeah, I had the game on while watching the uh, Juve yeah. Chelsea game, so I saw the main kind of yeah the game was going. Maybe it was just a, for him, maybe the nervousness that was given off by his teammates sort of set into him a bit as well crowd getting on top of you I mean it's, it can happen but I think the main thing was just obviously they went for McTominay in midfield last night on his own instead of Fred and as we saw again it just gets bypassed far too easily through that midfield Do you think McTominay do you think he lacks the the nous the do you think I just don't know if he is a, a defensive midfielder you mm. see Matic come on and you, then you see a real defensive midfielder. He drops in a bit, yeah. kind of plays in between the centre-backs. It seemed to me, and I saw a, a few other fans talking about it as well, that I think, it uh, I can't remember who it was, it was someone t- that tweeted that it seemed like apparently that McTominay, that the players almost didn't trust him, that they didn't trust to give him the ball. Yeah, but I did feel sorry for him. Okay? Yeah, I think in defence and in attack, I was just watch- I was just sort of watching him for five, ten minutes in. He just got. He had no one near him, so he sort of him sat around, and there was three or four Villarreal players ready to pounce on him. And every time they got the ball, it was just one pass, bang, just by him, and they were in again. 
So I think, I mean, it didn't help the defence either. I mean, when the ball's constantly coming back at you, it's going to be hard, isn't it? And um, What was going wrong, though? Like, what is going wrong? And I'm going to ask you as well the question in a minute, what, what's going right, but what is going wrong? Like, what is causing that? Is that a tactical thing that you're sitting in? I mean, was it a personnel problem yesterday? Was Dallow not at the races? Was Tellez not at the races? Um, I mean, what a goal from Tellez. Yeah. But what is... Why are you getting penned back by Villarreal? Um, or can you even give an answer? Well, I think the first half, it wasn't even a matter of really... We, we weren't even... We started off the first five minutes brilliantly, and then it wasn't even a fact of them penning us back. They were literally... We were playing high, playing a high line, and they just cut through us so many times. And then they started to pen... After, and when they got a bit of confidence and they're in the ascendancy after about 20 minutes spell and then they started really pinning us in but it was yeah it's just bizarre you don't know whether it's whether it is the man obviously you've there comes a point where you do have to question what would this United team look like with the players they've got with someone like an Antonio Conte in charge would it have the same effect of what Tuchel did on Lampard's Chelsea you can't help but think it would yeah, and I know as a United fan, and it, I know for you, and I said, I respect the fact that you you constantly remain optimistic about United. and But I don't think you're, it would be bad for you, and I don't think it puts you in the wrong. And I know it's a, it's a hard thing to do, because obviously Oli is held in high regard at United, and he's, he's, a, he's, he's loved by the fans. And I think you're not alone, because I can tell that you're almost... You feel bad when you you start to discuss about other options and whether yeah. Ollie is the right man. And I know it's it's kind of a redundant conversation at the moment because he isn't going to get sacked no. unless there's a real downward spiral. I think if it, as long as he keeps it steady, I think he will be all right in his job. But I don't think, yeah, I don't think you're there's anything wrong with discussing what 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 else could have been and wondering if someone else was in charge that the results would be different. For you, how important is it the manner in which you play, um, the how easy it is on the eye as a fan, uh, as no, as a team? How important is the style of play to you? Is it just results that matters? Um, no, obviously, as you want to you want to go to football to be entertained as well as seeing results. Obviously, it is a results based business, but um, yeah, we do you we believe? Want... Do you believe with I being believe... Manchester United? When, do you believe that being a Manchester United manager, there is an expectancy of course, to yeah. play in a certain way? There's an obligation to play in a certain way, and Solskjaer knows that. And there is times in games, like Gary Neville says, and we always go back to it, United play in moments. And there is moments where you look at United and think, wow, like they are a fantastic team. They had a couple of spells last night where they played out from the back and created a couple of chances, and you thought, that's something you'd see from a Man City or a, or a Liverpool. But then they just... And then, like you say, the moment goes and they go back into a rut in-game. It's sort of like it's, it's almost like a tennis match between their own players, as if to say, like, let's play 10 minutes at our best of ability, but then they can't, they just can't seem to sustain a performance for the whole 90 minutes. And then it's then moments and when they don't sustain it, whether that's five, 10 minutes is where they concede a goal and they drop points and it, it comes back to bite them. They've just got do you a think fight. that's? Go do you on. think those moments of play and those passages of play where you're talking about that it does click? Hmm. Do you think that is just the players clicking? No, and maybe. Or do you think that is a management thing? I think it always seems to come back with me is like, is this just the players 
Is this just the players and the level of players that you've got that are dragging you along? And it, it, I don't know. When I watch, I, well, I'll ask you this question now. Like I saw yesterday after the game, BT Sport, um, Rio Ferdinand was posed the question, what is United's style of play? Mm. And what is the what is the methodology? Of what are they trying to do? What is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer setting up? And when he goes out to win games, what is that? How does that display itself? For you, I, I mean, I, I, we'll go into what Rio said after, but what do you believe? What is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? What is he telling the players? And how does he like to play? What is the, well, the philosophy? You, well, United's philosophy has always been... Yeah, attacking football. Obviously, having a resolute defence. We saw that through all of Ferguson's teams. You start off with a good defence. That gives you the platform to build on. Um, but we've always been a team that's been relied heavily on the wings, getting across into the box for the strikers. And also, yeah, United have never really been one of them possession-based teams where they sort of wear teams down like a Manchester City do or a Barcelona did in their heyday. They've always been a sort of a team that will turn it on full throttle and they'll cut you open. Um, and I've, I've been, on the I, break. I can see moments, like I keep saying, referring to moments, but there is patterns of play there where I do see an idea of what Solskjaer's doing. And that obviously is an idea because the obvious progression from when he took over to now wouldn't have happened. But then again, it is always goes back to that point of, Will he be able to take us to that next level to get that pat- them patterns of play into a consistent basis on every game? And you just time will tell. Yeah, and it's interesting because Rio was he did a bit of analysis and he was pretty much saying the exact same thing. Um, and it is clear that there is a there is a, a methodology and there is a a method that they're trying to basically is you just. Once you get win the ball back, it's just fast. Yeah. It's fast build up, direct, and you rely on pace, and it works. It's just for me, and I don't know how a team, the team on United's level, do you think it's? I think it's criminal that you have one. You seem to be it's like it's counter attacking, fast build up. That is your only way of playing. You should be able to break teams down. I know it's not. Because we see it over and over again and it's easy to say, oh, we've got this way of playing and it works. But then once you come up against a team that play with a low block and a resolute and your te- United have to play through them, mm. you seem to almost it's capitulate. Yeah. But you should be able to do that. It might not be your first choice, but it's just seen with Solskjaer, there is plan A and then there's not much else. Yeah. No, you're dead right. And that's It's been the case for many years though. Under all the managers we've had since Fergie, it's always been a case of, we're brilliant and we look great, but what happens when we play against the 60-70% teams that will come to Old Trafford and sit back? And then you'll find yourselves nil-nil at home to Norwich with 20 minutes yeah. to go and 10 men just absolutely clearing everything and United have just reverted to long balls into the box or crosses that are just getting cleared away. They've got to have, they've got to find a, a way of, but yeah, like you say, playing through the lines, breaking a low block down and they've got the players more, they've got more than enough quality to do that. Fernandez, Pogba, that, these players yeah, that can that, play. That's yeah, these players that can make runs in behind. Ronaldo, Greenwood, Rashford, and it just seems to they just hit a they just hit a mental wall. I think when it comes to that sort of team they play against. Absolutely, but and it's that's why it's you go, mate. No, um, but yeah, but I do want to still reiterate, like last night, like Villarreal, they're no mugs, are they? 
I mean, you look at their results so far this season. I, I actually heard something pretty nuts last night. It was um, in seven league games, I think they've drawn five. Four of them were nil-nil draws. Um, they drew at the Bernabeu on Sunday. Obviously, they drew with Chelsea in the is it Super Cup. Mm. Chelsea won on penalties. So you have got a look in, in Chelsea until the weekend were the best thing since sliced bread. You've got to look in relative terms and think, you know what, Villarreal are, are a very good side. and to, I know we only scraped by it and it could have been a lot different, but it's all hypothetical. At the end of the day, them goals didn't go in and United picked up the three points and Villarreal went away with nothing. So it's still, you are right. in the grand scheme of things, in the terms of the group and how it affects us, that was still a massive win last night, being able to get through them and just breaking them down at the last minute. You are right, and but the thing for me is, is just how long term this can can be. It's not sustainable. I, mean, I know, no, it's not. And as I know, as the United fan in you will mm. look at Leicester Day and think we got the win, but sitting here on this podcast today and looking back at that game yesterday, it can't. That can't happen every game. No. Ronaldo can't get you out of trouble every game. Villarreal or the team you're up against aren't going to miss that many chances every game. De Gea can't play like just outrageously in goal. That is not a sustainable thing. And he's just frustrating. And it's just, I just find it frustrating because I like watching good football and I like watching good players playing good systems. And like you going back to what you were saying, like you've got the players to play this kind of... I'm not saying it has to be your plan A, but you've, why have players like Sancho and players like Van der Beek, players like Bruno, that play with the ball at their feet and like to play with pragmatic football and work it out and I just why have these players you know what I mean like yeah. it's frustrating because you're not going to get the best out of these players Sancho isn't going to work in that kind of a the system that you're playing at the moment he might he'll do alright but I don't think he'll be at his best mm. and I know you'll say oh Dortmund play fast attacking football I don't think he gets he doesn't seem to get the space that he, he used to um, mm, no you often saw with Dortmund, a lot of the time, Sancho would would be catching teams on the break. With United, it just doesn't happen. Teams will never overcommit against United. Yeah. If you, the, the majority of teams you're going to play against, it's very hard to catch them on the counter-attack. Obviously, you will, but there's not going to be that much space. There's still always going to be four or five players back in there. Mm, unless you lead United. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, is there anything else you want to say about United? I saw um, Donny van der Beek on the bench. That was such a sad video, man. I thought, mm. he, did you see the video of him on the bench? Yeah, for, yeah, he's cool. He, he genuinely, hold, you can see he's genuinely holding back the tears. Yeah, and I just, it's the honestly, I feel for him because it's the worst feeling in the world, getting just unused sub mate. Honestly, I feel helpless. And the dreams he would have had at United. Yeah, oh, it, but it's, then it's, it's really. But Matic. Fred, Lingard, all three of them combined for United's winner. Yeah. Matic's ball into Fred. Lingard did excellently, didn't he? Yeah, it was a good ball in from Fred as well, actually, playing at left back. <laughs> what was that about? That oh, yeah, really... Tellers got injured. Yeah. But yeah, Tellers. Finish well. from Tellers. Yeah. Someone that I was not really. I'm still not convinced by him. He's a pretty limited We knew player. he could do that, didn't we? Yeah, we knew, we knew he, he could, could do that. Yeah, because he shows it six times a game when he whips in a. a a lovely cross or a, or a corner. He's got an unbelievable left foot. But... Yeah, but you've got to have a bit more than that. And 
Yeah. Defensively. Did you see much from him defensively? What about Dallow? How did they get on the fullbacks yesterday? Um, Tellez was all right. Got exposed a couple of times in the uh, first half. Dallow was pretty horrific all game. Really? He got torn absolutely. He'll have nightmares about Dan Juma for a few weeks, I think. And he got let off the hook a few times from De Gea, but he was just, he was, he was over hit. I'm not really good. I don't want to go into Diogo Dallo like he's not had many chances and there is a player in there but he didn't look convincing do you think with him is it a concentration problem I, I, I get the feeling it might be in terms of I don't know whether he's got the mentality to play full 90 minutes and be on it all the time because he is the player that he's got talent he's got all the he's got the physique he's quick enough to do it yeah I just don't know if he's got that do you know what I mean? 90 minutes staying fully focused. Yeah. That's what you have to do in the Premier League and in these big level games. You can't get caught napping at all, can you? No. And I suppose would only have to see if that improves through game time. And it probably would. I mean, if he played regular games, but Wan-Bissaka's back soon, he's not going to be playing ahead of Wan-Bissaka. No. I can't really see that happening. Right. Should we move on to Juventus-Chelsea last night? Yeah. I know you you didn't see it. But I can kind of give you the rundown. Um, Juventus just looked really good, to be honest. Defensively looks excellent. You can see that Allegri's... And I, I wrote, um, a uh, obviously, a match report yesterday. Westy also did a report on the United game last night. So if you want to go check those out, head over to Divided Opinion on, um, on Instagram, at Divided Opinion. Um, but yeah... I was talking about how he's he's clearly sided with robust players that are going to do a role for him. You look at the likes of Betancourt, you've got Bernadeschi, players like Quadrado. These are players that are going to run all day for you. And if you give them a system to work in, they will do that. And they did it yesterday. They sat in. Um, Benucci looks class. I mean, Lukaku, everything you say about, you've said about Lukaku is coming to fruition. He had one chance yesterday and it was he missed it. And he, he just struggled to get into the game. He's almost just seems a bit of a one trick pony to me. And yeah. one thing I, I've actually I've spoke about Rio before and I, how I I'm not I don't know, I don't know if I don't really know if I rate his analysis that much, but he actually it was something he was saying yesterday was actually really interesting. How he was saying that basically if you're a player like like Lukaku and for me and, and I, I don't know defense defensively, I don't, I don't know that much, but if if it was me, I would have instantly thought a player would be wanting to get touch tight to Lukaku. But he was saying yesterday that actually, and it was evident in Benucci's performance, and he was saying that basically that Benucci had to keep him at arm's length, yeah, not get tight to him because he'll, he'll roll, roll you. you. Yeah, and and that was what we saw. Benucci did that. He kept him at arm's length all game. Uh, Delit looked strong. They played with the three at the back, and Danilo looked good as well. They went man for man with Chelsea's front three and they didn't do anything Chelsea's front three. And to be honest, to be fair on Lukaku, he just he is a player that just plays off service. He's not going to come and get the ball and take on the whole team and or win the game by himself. He, he relies on the service around him. Chelsea miss Mason Mount. I know there's been talk about his output this season, goals and assists. I don't think he's got a goal or an assist in like 13 games or something like that. Um, but I do think they miss Mason Man. I think he does so much more than goals and assists. He just starts off moves. They had Ziyech and Havertz, but I still think they obviously are probably, you'd class them as playmakers, but 
they seem they were almost a bit of finishing off moves. Do you not think Havertz and and Ziyech, rather than starting it off and sitting yeah. on the edge of play, they like to be in and around the area and where they can get goals and assists. And that's what they play for. The players like Ziyech and and Havertz, but Mount's just a bit li- little bit less selfish, isn't it, in the way he yeah. plays. Uh, he's not looking to grab the headlines. Um, Havertz was disappointing, to be honest. Um, I know the talent's there with Havertz, and he's a player that I was, I was so looking forward to seeing in the Premier League. He obviously came good nearer the end of last season. Um, I don't think it's crisis talks, but I thought he was pretty average yesterday. I don't know what you think of Havertz, what you've seen of him. Because the talent is there, and yeah. he's got everything. Mm. No, I think he's a really good player. Um like you said, he showed it in the last two, three months of last season. But like you say, same with Jane Sancho. Wouldn't when you've got that price tag on your head, you're expected to perform more than one in three or four games, aren't you? Yeah. And he's not. He's. I wouldn't say he's had a bad start to the season, Havertz, but he's not done anything to set the world alight, has he? No, no. Yesterday he just kind of went missing. Uh, Chelsea in attack yesterday were were just toothless, really. Uh, by the end of the game, they had Loftus Cheek and Ross Barkley on the pitch. Ross Barkley, I, mean, I don't know what he was. Yeah, Ross Barkley set up the the only chance of the game. Lukaku's only chance. Luke Barkley set it up. I think Barkley is. I feel bad for Ross Barkley. I think he always seems to do well when he he's one of them players that when he comes on he does well. You think he's going to be good and then he starts and he's terrible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Loftus Cheek is another really really strange one. Why isn't he out having a great professional career? Why is he still at Chelsea? I think so many of these players, they attach their dreams to playing for a club like Chelsea when really football is it's a career at the end of the day. Yeah. And he's going to look back on his career and think, I always just look at these players and think, do you not want to just go somewhere and settle down? Have like a five-year stint at a club or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's gone on loan to several teams. He's gone back to Chelsea. He's obviously still got this dream of, of playing for Chelsea. Whether it's a realistic dream at this point, I think is a debate to be had. But yeah, Chelsea. I don't think I'd see the day, but they almost got exposed. Their depth got exposed yesterday, and I thought they had one of the best squads, and they probably do. But obviously, Pulisic out in, out injured, Mount out injured, Vernard unused. Sanagez unused. I put at the end of the post yesterday. I was interested to hear. I want to know from Chelsea fans what what's the deal with Sanagez? Uh, I mean, have you seen him play yet? I saw him in his first game against Villa when he got dragged at half time, and he was yeah. he had an absolute shocker. I think Tuchel came out and called him out straight after the game as well. So, what, in what way? What was going wrong? Oh, just the tempo was just seemed far too much for him. He, I think he. He, I think that was like a maybe like a record or something. He gave the ball away sort of like twelve times in the first half to the right. opposition in his own half. Just yeah, so probably understand why he's not playing. <laughs> yeah, he's a player that could come good, but if it carries on the way it is, it may be one that Chelsea probably won't um, buy him at the end of their loan. They'll probably just yeah. I thought he was going to be a player that came over here, and we were shocked by how good he is. You know, the kind of. Mm. But players he's not, that play in league but he's not been he's been underperforming for the last two years or so at Atletico it's not there's there's a reason why they were they were quite keen to get him out of the door yeah um, just sticking on Juventus uh, obviously it goes without saying but that Chiesa man mm. what a player 
Yeah. He's just a cheat code. Was it 10 seconds his goal? Yeah, something After like that. After 10 seconds. Literally the, the if you watch the highlights it starts from the from the um the 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 whistle at half time. Literally the whistle blows, goes back to Benucci and then they just kind of a few passes around the area and plays it into Chiesa. Like Chiesa he's just I was saying, I think with Juventus, because they obviously have got a core of Italian players. I think if if they if they can just get them working and play similar to how we saw it, Italy played at the Euros, I think they could have a, a solid campaign. I don't think they're going to win the Champions League, but I think it could keep Allegri in a job. Um, but I think he set them up well. Should we, right, we'll leave it there. Do you want? Do you want to do a quick prem predictions? Yeah, let's do that. So at the moment, the predictions leaderboard is 5-2. Um, and we're going to go through, I'm going to count up the scores from this week. And Westy now is going to take us through the fixtures for the upcoming week. Um, and we'll see how we're getting on on the table. So this weekend's first fixture, um, Man United at home to Everton, the early kickoff on Saturday. Joel? Manchester United at home to Everton. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2-1 United. Very safe bet, that. I'm going to go 1-0 to Man United. Um, Burnley at home to Norwich City. 1-1. Um, Burnley, Norwich. I'm going to go 2-0 to Burnley. Right. Yeah. Um, Chelsea at home to Southampton. I think Chelsea are going to get back on back on the, on the straight and narrow with a 2-0 win. At home to Southampton. I'm gonna go for a I'm gonna go for a one one draw here. Come on the Saints. Well that could be it'd be bad for two call that. The wheels have fallen off a little bit, haven't they? It's so unpredictable this season. Yeah. Well it always is. Um Leeds United at home to Watford. I'm gonna say two two. Two two. I'm gonna go for Leeds to get their first win of the season. I'm gonna go three one to Leeds. Um, Wolves at home to Newcastle. Two one Newcastle. Um, I'm gonna go for one one. Brighton at home in the late kickoff to Arsenal. I think Arsenal will get a, another win. Uh, I think it will be two nil Arsenal. Um, I'm gonna go for a two two draw. So we go on to Sunday's games. We've got Crystal Palace at home to Leicester. Oh, that's a tough one, that. Crystal Palace are a bit of a bogey team. I'm going to... I'll always go Leicester win. 3-1 Leicester. No. <laughs> 1-0 Leicester. 1-0 Leicester. And I'd, I'd be well happy with that. Um, I'm going to go for a... 2-1 win for Crystal Palace. Fair, I did it to you last week. I remember literally last podcast, don't you remember it, I went... You're going to the game, aren't you? For that reason, I'm going to go Aston Villa to win. <laughs> Tottenham versus Villa. Could be a good game, that. 3-3. Free, free. Um, I'm going to go for 2-1 to Villa. We have lost all confidence in Nuno. Nuno's wheels have fallen off. I mean, I remember saying on a podcast the other week that I thought Nuno might be the perfect man. <laughs> How wrong I was. There's still time. He's going to win the Conference League. Yeah. Um, West Ham at home to Brentford. Could be a good game, that. Um, 
I'm going to say 3 1 to West Ham. Um, I'm going to go 2 0 West Ham. Um, and then I believe Liverpool, Manchester one, City. Yeah. Liverpool, Man City at home. How do you see this one going? Just give a little bit of insight, but a bit of a prediction. What do you think? How do you think the two teams are going to match up? Obviously, Liverpool, they've been looking good, looking decent. City, bad result in the Champions League, but did well against Chelsea. Um, yeah, I think I think City will bounce back and get the three points I do on Sunday. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah. But after a Pep Guardiola sort of inquest that you get when they lose inevitably, he always comes back, doesn't he, with another performance yeah. where everyone goes oh wow what a manager so I think, I think could... like you said yeah you said earlier in the episode as well that City weren't that bad were they they didn't no. play badly against PSG um, yeah I think it's, it's always a tough one to call Liverpool Man City but I think at Anfield I'm going to go 2-2 two, 2-2 two, two. Two, two. Be... you can't underestimate a full Anfield though you know what I mean yeah I'm going to go 2-1 to Manchester City. Right, so that is our predictions for round seven of the Premier League fixtures. Currently, as it stands west, it's really hotting up. So last week, it was 5-2 to Westy. And then this week, we've had we've both had good weeks. You've got five again, but I've got seven. So that puts me... One point No, nine. actually, it puts me one point behind. So you're on ten, I'm on nine. Looking pretty good. I got two bang-on results this last week. I got Everton bang on 2-0 and I got West Ham Leeds bang on as well, 2-1 West Ham. Um, so I'm pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Um, we'll catch you next week. Just make sure to follow the podcast. Um, check us out on Instagram at Divided Opinion. And if you feel like it, if you know anyone that might like the podcast, share it with them. Um, that's much appreciated. Spread the word about Divided Opinion. Uh, any more you want to add, Westy? No, just hope you enjoyed the episode and as always it's it's been a pleasure doing it. Yeah, good, good. Um yeah, I've enjoyed doing it as well. Uh we'll catch you next week. Let us know if there's anything in particular you want us to talk about, any questions, we're always willing to answer some. Uh we we had people saying that they'd like us to do more tier lists. We're gonna do those in the future. Uh probably just kind of mix it up really each week. Um but yeah, thanks for joining me, Westy. Thank you, mate. And yeah, we'll we'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.